Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. We'll be better. We'll be better. Um, you know, we, we know we didn't play up to our capabilities in that first half. Um, and I even thought in the third quarter, when they were making shots, we were going back and forth and making shots. I thought we was even, we were still in tune with it. They were just making some, 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 some uh, you know, shots with hands in their faces, the bodies on bodies. Um, but, um, you know, we'd be better in game two, that's for sure. Nicole, like KCP said the only difference between you and LeBron is that he can jump higher than you. Do you feel like your games are similar? Uh, that's a really offensive. <laughs> uh, I'm joking. I mean, to be compared with one of the best ever, uh, or the best ever, I think it's really cool. It's really cool, but uh, I don't know. I think we don't have a similar game. He's a maybe we have a, like a similar global game. If that makes any sense, we affect the game in different ways. But he's, he's a really good player. <laughs> How about that, Vinny Goodwill? He's a really good player. LeBron James is a really good player. And so is Nikola Jokic, who last night was just doing what he's been doing the last few years. It's uh, it's just the numbers were a little higher than normal, but it was a triple-double. I don't think anybody was surprised, Vinny, that he got a triple-double in Game 1 of the Western Conference Finals. It's probably a lot more where that came from. And, and Vinny, I, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to throw this at you. Look, um, it would be smart for those in the MVP campaign to play it like Nikola Jokic did this year. He was like, you know, look, and I guess it probably is a privilege of having won two in a row. So when they asked him about the possibility of winning three in a row, kind of shrugged, gave you the shrug emoji. Ah, you know, I'm not really thinking about it. When the announcement comes out, I'm not really going to be thinking about it because I got something bigger in mind. And it really takes the pressure off when you look at it that way, as opposed to another MVP, the most recent MVP, who everybody's got jokes for and memes for, because he scored 15 points the last time we saw him on the court. So, uh, if if you don't if if you needed another reason to say why the Nuggets might have the advantage in this series, it's because their best player really is playing without any external pressure. Oh, I definitely think there's a there's external pressure. I don't want to position this, Michael, as if he's playing loose and free. When you've got home court advantage throughout the Western Conference, yep. when this league is wide open, look at all the consequences for not winning this year. Phoenix, humongous consequences for Monty Williams. Ooh. Milwaukee, humongous consequences for Monty for uh, Mike Budenholzer. Philly humongous consequences for not only Doc Rivers, but probably James Harden and the way that we view Joel Embiid. There's consequences to not winning this season because the league looks wide open. 
And if there's no Golden State, and LeBron is not the super Sayon LeBron that we've all come to know, yeah, it's pressure on Nikola Jokic. The thing that works for him, though, is because the conversation got so toxic early in the season or midway through the season when the straw poll said he was going to win again, and then everybody came out and said, how can you do this, blah, 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 blah. Right. He took his foot off the pedal ever so slightly, and he just allowed the game to sort of come to him. He wasn't trying to go for it as much, and Joel Embiid went for it. And it might have cost Embiid physically as much as it cost him in narrative. Make no mistake about this, though. Nikola Jokic is an MVP that has not gone to the NBA Finals. And post-merger, okay. and post-merger, the only players to not go to an NBA Final, in my opinion, if I'm memory serves, might be Steve Nash. I feel like every other MVP has at least been in the Finals, if not the, not, maybe not the year that you win the award, but you've but been there. Point. Steve Nash and Derrick Rose. Not that, not that I'm not in my head is, is going back and, and really really yeah. going through the archives. Post merger 1984 merger, sixteen playoff teams, four playoff rounds, five games in the first round. I think those are the only ones. And then you add Jokic to it. So he doesn't want to be part of that dubious list either. Yeah. In game one. And it's not even dubious though. I mean if you if yes, you define it, it that way though, Vinny, it's yes, it not. Is. Because you know why? If you go if you go eighties. So you got Bird, you got Magic, you got Jordan. You think about all the MVPs right there. You got LeBron. That's a bunch of MVPs there. Steph, you got a bunch of MVPs there. So it's not like you. Yep. It's not as if we're talking about every year. There's a different guy. Look at all of these different players who went. It really is not. I mean, it's really not that many players considering the p- time period that you you put. You got 84 in there. So that's 84 40 years. to see how that's 40. Okay. That's 40. That's modern basketball. 40 years. That's 40 years. It's not 40. That's a pretty damn good 40 players. Size. 40 years. How many players? 20, 25. I'm just guessing. I mean, off the top of my head, I, I bet you it's not. I know it's not 40 players. No, so it's not. And, and these are and look at look at some of these players though, Vinny. Some of these players are just iconic Hall of Fame in your top five in your top 10. <clears throat> okay, well, so hey, right? wait, 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 wait. So you mean to tell me you're not looking at everything Nikola Jokic is doing? 40 2010, the first player to do that post merger. The last players to do that were Abdul Jabbar and Wilt. And that was before the ABA NBA merger. So you could even say that the talent was diluted to some degree because you had not even yeah. your best players playing in the league. So you right, mean right, to right, tell right. me you're going to fix your face to tell me you don't think that Nikola Jokic, when this is all said and done, is not going to be one of those historic players, one of those historic centers of all time. Like, I think, yeah, I, I think I, I'm going well, to have to change. sit you down and have a conversation yes. with you because he is playing right. up to a historical standard. I'm not saying he's Elijah Wan or Shaq or, well, you know, Russell or that boy Jabbar, but he's entering he's entering the pantheon of the conversation, especially when you consider the way that his game works and the way that the game is being played. No, he's not a defensive, you know, wizard or an Adonis or anything like that. 
but you can say that he impacts the game offensively in ways that we've never seen from the position that he plays. Okay, I, so yes, said the position, so put him in that conversation. Position, I agree with you. Me, so, so, so put it like this: putting him in this strata that I believe that he is worthy of says mm-hmm. you now have the onus to win championships, especially well, maybe, maybe when you have help you on do. your side. Yes. Well, well, maybe, maybe you do, but when you say center, when you go center and and you go. And Russell Westbrook is also on that list because he went to the finals before he was MVP. So he's on I that said, list. But I, said, but I said, but I said, but no, I said at any point in your career. Oh, at any point. And okay. Russell, any uh, point in your career. All right, that's fair. Um, when you say all-time great centers, that's one conversation. But all-time great players is something else. And it's still, I if if I need to defend. If in, in Nikola Jokic's defense, both lists are incredible. I mean, if I just go, I don't even go back to the 80s. If I go 90s, MVP since the 90s. So if I got Jordan in there, I got LeBron on there. I got KD on there. I got Steph on there. Uh, and, and well, Dirk. I mean, throw Dirk in there. Like, throw anybody. Throw anybody on there like, as a fifth. Giannis. That's, I mean, if you don't if you don't crack that top five, that doesn't mean you're not dominant. And if you don't get to the finals as an MVP, if you don't get to the finals, that doesn't mean that somehow you're missing something from your from your game or something is in, incomplete. It's just no, no, that's I, how just, it happens I, what sometimes. I, I, th- I think you're you're shifting it like towards a legacy conversation. That's not what I'm trying to do because I hate legacy. What I'm simply saying is you look at the opportunity that's in front of him right now. He has a healthy Jamal Murray. He has Michael Porter Jr. They have lack lack of a better phrase. They have playoff scars and yet they're not old. Okay. Like there's a fine line between being young and stupid and then being (laughs) old and tired. And then they're in that sweet spot. Okay. Right. Right. The Nuggets are in the sweet spot where Murray is very young. Porter is very young. KCP is 30, but he doesn't play a old man game. He's still running around there. And then you have Jokic at the peak of his powers. You look around the landscape of the NBA. Philly is done. Milwaukee is done. No more Phoenix. No more Golden State. Why shouldn't the Nuggets be the overwhelming favorite to win the entire thing? They should be. And the reason they should be is in large part due to the dude that scored 40 and out-rebounded the Lakers by himself for large stretches of the evening. Like, like we can get into the Jokic-AD conversation, players going mano-e-mano at their same position in ways that we don't get a chance to see anymore. But just from the micro of this, Michael, he has an incredible opportunity in front of him. There is nobody that can guard this man. Yeah. Nobody. Yeah, it's something. Yeah, it's it's incredible. It's really incredible to watch. Now, if, if you look at last night, just let, let's look ahead to the game two briefly. Yep. It looked like it was going to be a runaway game. It was going to be a runaway game. <laughs> then the Lakers, like, oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Uh, they're getting, they're down by 13. They're down by 10. Oh, what? They're down by five. Ooh, a three from LeBron. If LeBron makes his three. He can tie it. 
What does this say uh, going into game two? Do you look at Denver and say, all right, Denver was able to get out to that big lead and they still can't, nobody, even Anthony Davis can't guard Jokic? Or do you see something from the Lakers in that second half run that makes you think that they can tie this thing up tomorrow night? I think it's a must win for Denver. I really do. I think game two is a must win for Denver. It is imperative that they go to L.A. with a 2 nothing lead. Not that I don't think they can't win a game in Los Angeles, if need be. But we've seen the Laker formula through the playoffs. They steal home court advantage. They win their home games. They put you out in six. Did it with Memphis. Did it with Golden State. Sorry, Natalie. That, that's what happened, right? Yeah. I yep. think that A, Darvin Ham is a wizard on the sidelines. For whatever reason, I don't know if I don't know why. Maybe it's the maybe it's the fact that people don't know what the hell they're watching when they watch coaches. But Darvin Ham is willing to try any damn thing with his team. I, I got I had a line in what I what I wrote last night, because I'm in Denver. I had a line to basically say, look, Dar- the Lakers, because they've been put together so quickly, it's like instant grits just add sugar, right? So Darvin Ham will put Rui Hachimura on Jokic and put Anthony Davis back in the center field position and swat everything coming back their way. That was something that worked. You can't play Rui there for 30 minutes on Jokic, but you found something with a player that maybe you can spell AD for 10 or 15 minutes. Maybe they put LeBron on Jokic for a few minutes here or there. So, no, I think with the way the Lakers came back last night, they looked like they were on the verge of being blown out multiple times, and you never felt like the game was out of reach. Because Denver doesn't defend very well, and the Lakers don't scare, and the Lakers don't quit. They they did not quit last night. And while LeBron took that dumbass hero shot, as opposed to working yeah. the ball through Anthony Davis, that's something yeah. that they can rectify. They can be very optimistic going into game two, while Denver should be looking at it and saying, hey, y'all, we need to get our ish together and make sure we defend better. Because they shot, both teams shot extremely well last night. Yeah. For the game to be that close, for Jokic to have that type of game, for Jamal Murray to have that type of game, and their Lakers were standing right there in their face with 45 seconds left. Now, let me pivot. As I say this, let me pivot. I'm going to tell you about the kind of person who puts sugar in their grits. The kind of person who puts sugar in their grits, and I hope you're not one of them. It sounds like you are, because that just came, that just rolled off the tongue very naturally shame on you all of Detroit is ashamed of you you put sugar in your grits I mean, where you think I got it from okay uh, that, that that's just ridiculous that's ridiculous now, now don't no, don't don't compromise the integrity of grits by putting sugar in your grits you're probably somebody who gets down the boys to men you I mean like that, that's we, the kind we, of person. We, have, we have we have had this discussion on wax and off wax. You know how I feel about boys to men. That is not I know. my get down. Okay, so don't you dare besmirch my good name out here in these streets while Natalie that, is in the, the person... control room. Throwing... Natalie's in the control room right now, throwing stuff at you, Michael Holly. She's throwing the stuff at you. Who puts <clears throat> sugar in their grits is a boys to men fan. The person who puts sugar in their grits is somebody who will. Compro- who, who will give up assets, cash, to bring in free agent James Harden and think that this location 
will be different from Harden. It will be different than Houston. It will be different than Brooklyn. It will be different than Philadelphia. Now, where next? Where next for James Harden, who told <clears throat> our guy, uh, according to uh, Chris, Chris Haynes, that James Harden, he's done with Philly. He's done with Philly. He wants the freedom to be himself and put sugar in his grits somewhere else. So what do you make of this, uh, Vinny? Because I, I would think that any other GM, not named Daryl Morey, <laughs> will understand what James Harden is at 33 years old and wouldn't be foolish enough to invest great resources. What do you think? I think I've had many a friend who has said to me, I can fix him. I can fix her. You know what I mean? Like, like I know that I've seen what they've done to others, but I got the I got the magic over here. You know what I mean? I can I can make somebody act right. I can make someone be who they mm. are capable of being, their best self. You tell me what the hell James Harden got left at 33 years old with the tread on his tires, with the grueling minutes that he's played. He was not a low management guy for all of those years in Houston. So when we look at 33, he's 33. And he's not one of those guys that takes care of his body. He's one of those guys that goes to Vegas and goes and kicks it in parties, which is cool. But you are on the back end now. So you can't be, A, the player that had a 38% usage like, like Luka Doncic and scored 37 or 38 a night and all of that stuff, right? You can't be that guy while also playing on a contender, while also keeping your body upright for 82 games. All three of those things are not capable of happening. And guess what? Even if it did, we've seen James Harden's movies in May, the movies that end remarkably early. You see those movies that you walk out on because the movies are so damn terrible or it's got a bad ending? Right. I ain't talking about a usual suspect's ending where your leg straightens out and the, and, the, and the guy comes and picks you up and you're like, oh, my God, that's the dude that's been there the whole time. No, no, no. I'm talking about one of those bad movies with a bad payoff. And you're right. like, I sat here for two and a half hours for this bull nonsense, right? That's James Harden's uh, postseason oh, career. Oh, no way in hell would I invest if I'm a championship team, if I am serious. That's why if you are Philadelphia and you fire Doc Rivers because, hey, let's go get Daryl Moy and get the band back together, I would laugh at that entire operation. And don't get, and don't, don't get me wrong, Doc Rivers has his warts. But Joel Embiid came up short, and James Harden always comes up short in the seventh game. You live in Boston. You tell me, after game six, did you have any type of trepidation that game seven was going to turn out the no. way that it turned out and the matter it turned out? No, that was, was not surprised at all. I was surprised that Embiid played like that in game seven, Vinny. Honestly, I thought, uh, I, I didn't think five for 18 was in his future. After game six, and after game six, remember when he said, you know, three things. It was funny. They asked, hey, Joel, what happened? Game six. Well, three things. We stopped moving the ball. He gave you another empty phrase, but then he got to what he really wanted to say. And I ain't touched the ball for the last four minutes. So, what, so it wasn't three things. It was one thing. Give me the damn ball. That's what he was saying in that game six press conference. So I thought he was going to get the ball in game six. And that was it. I mean, game seven, and he was going to go off. But James Harden, not a surprise. Here he is with his weird social media. And you talk about the movies. Yes, we have seen those movies. It's not like Marvel, Vinny. And Marvel, everybody knows when the movie's over, stay in your seat. 
Stay in your seat. Don't worry about it. There's going to be an extra scene or two. Go through the credits. Stay there. There's something else. With James Harden, you stay in your seat. Lights come on. Workers coming to the theater. Saying, you ain't got to go home. But get up. Ain't nothing else on the screen. That's it. What you saw is it. And we've seen it all with James Harden. There's nothing else to see here. But somebody's going to be foolish enough to do it. I don't know who it's going to be. It's going to be a really it's dumb fools team. On them. It's fools on every they corner. Yeah. Three-year contract. They're going to give them a lot of money. They're going to be disappointed in the end. But you, brother from another viewer, listener, you will not be disappointed. We got Jason Johnson, the doctor, coming up next. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash. An eight game suspension was pretty serious and something that he, at least to me, seemed to take incredibly seriously in that time. And we spoke for a long time about not just the consequences that could have on his career, but the safety issues around it um, could have injured, maimed, killed himself, someone else with an act like that. And also the acknowledgement that, as you said, he's a star. I mean, he has an incredibly huge following. And that my concern, and I thought he shared with me, that millions, if not tens of millions of kids globally would see him as having done something that was celebrating in a way, you know, that, that act of, of, of sort of, 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 of using a firearm in that fashion. And so I at least was left um, with the sense that he was taking this incredibly seriously. So honestly, I was shocked when I saw this weekend that video. All right, that's Commissioner of the NBA, Adam Silver, uh, talking about John Morant. Again, uh, Dr. Jason Johnson joins us in it. But you know what, Vinny, I want to start with you here, and then we can kick it over to uh, Doc and get his take on it. I love the way you put it in your feed. You said, you know, I'm disappointed that Adam Silver was disappointed. Uh, And I think where you're going with that is, why is he surprised? Is that your point? Why is he surprised that John Morant is in this position? I mean, I'm no psychologist. I don't try to get inside anybody's head. But when you go through the drive-through eight-day period just to get back on the floor and give this interview with Jalen Rose where, you know, you talk about breathing and all this other type of stuff to help you with stress, did that sound like a man who, let's just say, whatever his issue is, whatever his issue is, I'm not going to say what I think it is, but whatever his issue is, did it feel like that that collection, those ingredients, was going to be the thing that fixes him? I didn't, and he rushed back to the floor. The the playoffs played the way it played out. 
His Nike commercial came out during the playoffs. He felt nothing. So why would you feel like that he was going to change his behavior? Behaviors don't change unless you hit rock bottom. And guess what, y'all? This ain't even rock bottom. What do you think, Doc? What's what's going on with John Moran? I want to say something up front that I don't want to be misinterpreted. But hey, it's television. This is what we do. I don't know John Moran. I have no personal connection to John Morant, and I'm not going to pretend that I care about him. And I think that's important to say because a lot of our conversations about professional athletes, we sort of put on these airs of, of personal care. We don't know these people. I, I don't know these people. I, I, don't, I don't have any personal connection. So I'm looking at this as a public figure engaging in stupid activity. If it was someone that I know, I probably would sit back and say, yo, kid, what's up with you? Like, this is dumb. You're going to cost yourself money. But I don't know him. And so I'm not going to pretend to extend empathy to somebody who I don't know. What I see is a professional. And I'm sorry. He is 23, 24 years old. You are almost a veteran in this league at some point. And I see a professional doing stupid things. I do not blame his family. I do not blame the the Grizzlies. I do not blame Adam Silver. I blame Mm. John Morant. This is dumb. This is immature. This is silly. It's not just that it costs you money. It's not just that it costs you prestige. It's not just that it costs you opportunities. It is dangerous, as everybody said. You could put yourself in a situation. I've been seeing the memes and the videos. There are some real gangsters out there that will be perfectly happy to test you if you want to keep flashing guns all the time. But I think probably the most disturbing thing to me, frankly, in all of this is like, what is the mindset of somebody who wants to do this whole suburban gangster crap when it doesn't manifest itself on the court. I, I just I think the whole thing is silly. I don't think I don't think any suspensions are going to change his behavior. And I think we need to stop pretending that we care in some deeper emotional way in a country that's obsessed with guns and start looking at this as a professional who's lost his way and maybe he's going to figure it out and maybe he's not. See now here's the thing. I do care. Like this is a young black man that has done a lot for himself. He has had to work to get to this point, to go from being in nowhere, South Carolina, to going to Murray State, to becoming a face of the NBA, to have the charisma, to have the skill. Like he is a part of the NBA's future and he is a young black man that looks like other young black men in this particular world. I'm not talking about or looking at him necessarily as a basketball player or as that figure, but just him himself Like, there is a a fear and a worry and a concern that hopefully we're not watching a 30 for 30 in real time here. Of course, there's going to be some level of disconnection because we don't we don't have the proximity to him, but we don't have the proximity to anything, any of these dudes, unless you have a personal relationship with them. And no, I'm not blaming the team. I'm not blaming the family. I'm not none of that stuff. It is a John Morant problem that he has to that he has to take advantage, that he has to sort of take responsibility for. And yet our obsession with guns is is one thing, but I feel like we as a country are not capable of having parallel track conversations. We can't have a gun conversation and talk about Congress while also talking about John Morant and conflating the two. We can keep the conversation on John Morant without throwing the other agendas into it because it, it deserves, John Morant deserves to have the attention and the accountability said that. without any of this other stuff going on. I'm glad you said that. I'm, well, I'm glad you, I'll get to you in a second. Hold, hold, hold on real quick, Doc. Real quick. Real quick. I'll say this and I'm going to pass it to you. One, 
um, you could care about John Morant, not necessarily personally. You might care just from an entertainment standpoint. Hey, I like watching him play. He's one of my favorite players. So I care about him not as an individual as an entertainer and he's not out there. It uh, affects my uh, entertainment joy, my entertainment happiness. That's one. And then two, and, and Doc, I really want you to get in on this because we just put that headline. Gary, put that headline. Gary and Natalie, if you put that headline back up from Dave Zyron in the nation where he says, you know, the, hypo- the hypocrisy of our gun fascination, it's, it's racist, it's, it's hypocritical. Okay, look, Doc, I think there are two or three separate conversations. Look, one league, yeah. the one league, the GOP says, hey, you want to play with guns? You want to talk about guns? Cool. We endorse it. We have sold out and sold our souls to the gun lobby. So if you're a congressperson who promotes guns, that's our agenda. In the other league, the NBA says, we ain't down with that. So I don't see the hypocrisy at all. One league says, we don't like it. The other league says, it's cool. So John Morant ain't got nothing to do with your, your, your GOP representative from Tennessee or South Carolina or Georgia. We're talking about the representative who's got a, a headquarter. The headquarters are in New York. And Adam Silver, the president, so to speak, says no. So I really don't get, I, I respect the hell out of Dave Zyron. I just don't get his point on this one. Well, I, I don't think, I, I don't think conflating those two things is wise. It's the same. We had this 15 years ago when we were talking about marijuana, right? There were states where it was becoming more legal to use marijuana and the league was way behind the times by still penalizing people and drug testing them for these sorts of things. So what's actually going on in the country and what your individual job tells you you can do are multiple very, very different things. I'm not conflating those two things. I think we have kind of a crazy conjuncture in, in, in general. No one is surprised about that. What concerns me about John Morant, and like I said, I'm very clear. I'm not going to pretend that this guy affects me emotionally. He's not even one of my favorite players. And that doesn't mean I don't care about him as a young black man. No, 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 no. But I am more concerned about young black men and women. Heck, children of all colors, men and women of all colors, who are victims of gun violence on a regular basis, not some immature 23, 24-year-old who's playing out gangster fantasies that he saw in a music video on YouTube. I am not concerned about that because this is fixable. This is something he can do something about. This is not somebody, this is not people who got shot up in a school outside of Nashville. This is not people who are getting shot up in Texas on a regular basis. What he's doing isn't breaking the law, it's breaking the rules of his particular employer, which is bad, which is ridiculous, right. but I, I'll be honest with you. I'm way more concerned about the fact that John Morant had a charge about beating somebody up at a party and possibly uh, harassing or abusing somebody at a mall than I am with him playing with guns. I think there's a lot of behavior beneath this that is more problematic that he probably needs to address. And again, mm-hmm. whether or not he's going to do it is not necessarily going to be something based on what we think. It's going to be whether or not he figures out he, he can continue to navigate being a professional with the fact that he seems to be a mediocre person as far as his personal decisions in his personal life. Uh, Doc, you, you, you said you're far more concerned about the activity at the mall and the volleyball game and everything else. To me, it's all one big bowl of gumbo. Like, you can't, to me, you can't necessarily separate the events. These are all sort of, you add them all together. Like, you riding around with the tool, right? Okay, who's to say he wasn't riding around with the tool when he pulled up at the mall trying to harass some, you know, five foot two 
finish line worker. You know, and the and the other part to me is you riding around just the practicality of it. You riding around in the open air vehicle with a sunroof in it, no tent on your car and everything else. So if somebody sees you, if let's assume you're in Memphis where they don't play, let's say somebody sees you with the tool, not even 5-0. Let's just say somebody who's real and really about that life plays with play, sees you playing with guns and it's like, oh, let's let's see what he really about at this point. Then what happens? Because that can happen. That has happened. Yeah. That has deadly consequences. It's stupid mistakes. Yeah. And my thing is not about him having a gun. It's about, or not even what is breaking a law or anything like that. It is, you are playing in your employer's face. And everything that John ja Moran has done, everything that we know John ja Moran has done, y'all, it's because he's told us. It ain't been hardly no investigations or nothing like that. A couple of things right. have been uncovered. Right. But most of the things that we've right. seen, this fool done showed us. And that, and that and that's on All him. Right. And like I said, I, I will go so far as to say, again, there's a difference between being illegal and screwing up with your boss, and he's obviously screwing up with his boss, but I don't think this is going to change anytime soon. And I don't even know what rock bottom looks like. You know, yeah. is, is yeah. it Plaxico Burris? Is, is he got to shoot himself by accident? Has he got to be in some terrible event? Does he have to get abused by Memphis cops? I don't know, but I know that he's probably not changing anytime soon. This is a classic example of how you get fired on your day off, right? But he's still rich. He's still going to be rich. He's still got people yeah. who love him in Memphis. He can still get in any part of your club he wants. Yeah, yeah there's there's uh, Doc and, uh, and and Vinny. There's being fired on your day off in one story uh, or the equivalent. And then there's losing a draft pick on your day off, a 2025 draft pick based on something that you did. Uh, let's listen uh, to Becky Hammond first, then Derek Hamby talking about, we're talking about the Las Vegas Aces and some of the problems they've gotten into lately. Check this out. About the investigation, uh, the league said that it interviewed uh, 33 people and reviewed numerous text emails and other documents. Do you know any of the details of that investigation and did it include any Las Vegas Aces players? Uh, I don't know the details, um, but I know they did not interview, uh, according to my knowledge, they didn't interview Asia Wilson. They didn't interview Chelsea Gray, Kelsey Plum, Jackie Young. Not anybody that was on last year's roster. No, they did not interview any of them. I'm not going to try to put too much pressure on myself. Um, I'm focusing on getting in shape and, uh, you know, just turning the motor back on for basketball. Um, but I'm going to play, and I told Kurt, you know, hold me to this, the same standard you would as if I was health, like fully healthy um, or not recovering from pregnancy. And, you know, I, I work hard, and uh, I think that'll speak for itself. What will you tell him about, like, yeah. when he was born and, and the fact that you came back and, yeah. and played and, and that you were doing this as an example for, mm -hmm. for both of them? It's actually interesting. My daughter, when it happened, she literally said, are you getting traded because of legend? And it, like, and it, it's going to make me cry. It literally, like, it, it made me cry. And, um... You know, for my son, I mean, he'll be able to see it, and I don't think this is the end of it. And uh, just like moving forward for uh, like being progressive for uh, working moms, and I think the league has been incredible in what they've done. But we still have a long ways to go um, in this league and in the world. All right, I just want to want to address this situation, and I just want you uh, both to comment on it. So the WNBA 
suspends Becky Hammond for two games. They lose a first round pick in 2025 because Derricka Hamby says she was bullied for being pregnant, body shamed, uh, just really harassed because of her pregnancy. This is something that we never talk about in the NBA, in the NFL, NHL, Major League Baseball. We don't talk about it. This is an issue in the WNBA. Becky Hammond uh, is suspended for two games, and you could argue, if you think about the consequences of what she did, if the allegations are true and the WNBA found that she was at fault, two games is really not enough. If you really think about it. Um, so, and I, and somebody asked a question about, uh, asked Becky Hammond the question, Doc, I'll start with you and Vinny, I want you to uh, piggyback from there. Somebody asked Becky Hammond about the investigation. She said, well, they didn't interview this person, this person. You ain't supposed to know Becky who they interview because you're being you're being investigated. I don't want you to know who they talk to and if they did talk to Asia Wilson, if they did talk to all these players, it's not their responsibility to tell you that they talked to somebody and then because what are you going to do? If you're the coach, you're going to say, well, what'd you say? And then what they ask you, this is not about you. She's wrong. The Vegas uh, statement is a joke. They missed the mark. I really feel like this penalty is not harsh enough. Uh, Doc and then Vinny, I just want to hear what you have to say on it. Yeah, this is this is the why you always lying meme. I mean, like, ain't nobody gonna tell you the truth, Coach. Okay, you're being investigated. This is this is IA <laughs> in every cop show. They're not telling the chief because the chief's involved. I don't know what it is. It must be something about the water in Vegas because you got your John Gruden and your Becky Hammond now. Something, something in the water in Vegas seems to make coaches want to discriminate against players and in particular individuals because this looks terrible. And it's not just because the WNBA, as Hamby has said, hey, look, like I, I'm, I'll discriminate against against women. Other women who are mothers who talk about kinship and family and everything else like that. I cannot believe this is happening in this particular league. But I think the larger issue is the lack of respect sometimes that is had for the players themselves within the WNBA. <clears throat> Remember, Becky Hammond, Liz Cambage, who, who left the Aces, talked about the fact like, hey, I love Becky Hammond, but she got four times the max amount as a coach than these players. The WNBA players work just as hard as the men, work just as hard as women's soccer, work just as hard as every other sport, but they are often treated as disposable, secondary, third, and fifth class citizens within our sports world. And that's how you can have a coach who thinks they can get away with this kind of behavior. That's how you can have an organization that makes the kind of statements they make. That's how you can have a union that says, wait a minute, this is nuts. The coach does something wrong, so you lose a draft pick. So basically a player ends up suffering the consequences of bad coaching behavior. This is a larger cultural problem that I think sometimes is, is affecting the WNBA. And I really hope that a further investigation leads to more penalties against this coach because you know the Aces aren't the only team where something like this has happened. Amen. Well, I mean, I think it's some context is really important here. Like, for one, if you think the WNBA actually wanted to suspend Becky Hammond, considering her history with the league as a player, her pedigree coming in from the NBA, her importance as a figure, as a seminal figure to this league right now, mm -hmm. if you think they wanted to suspend her to send some type of message, I'm betting they suspended her because they absolutely had no choice, which probably speaks to saying two games is probably not enough. And secondly, I just read this report from M.A. Vopo from ESPN, and she says the Aces were given the opportunity 
to pro provide names of players who should be interviewed and the aces did not. So when Becky huh. is getting a little fast and loose with, well, they didn't interview this one. They didn't interview that one. They didn't interview this one. Well, if the team didn't say, hey, go interview this player or that player, they're probably not going to be interviewed. So it seems to be like someone's playing a little funny and a little loose with with the words, with the subtext. I think there is something legit going on here. I can't say that it's necessarily happening anywhere, but I do think that you're right, Jason, as far as the players don't have enough power within their own league. They have a lot of power externally they have a lot of power symbolically as far as being on the front line of getting Brittany Griner out and putting pressure on other sports leagues and putting pressure on President Biden but as far as in their yeah. own agency it does not Ooh, feel like yeah. that they have enough that's why this looks monumental and like you said Jason right I don't think the WNBA wanted to suspend Becky Hammond at all they probably just had hey, to hey, hey. And you know what? This is something that uh, when Derricka says we got a long way to go uh, in, in a, as a league, uh, WNBA, and as a society, she's right. This is something the WNBA should be celebrating. I and mean, if you look at it, there are so many athletes in that league, great players who, if you look at their season by season, hey, there's a, there's a gap there for two years or a year. They took the year off. They delivered a child. They came back playing at an all-star level again. I mean, that's incredible. You look at remember Cheryl you know, Sloops. Yeah, Cheryl Sloops. Derek There's so yeah. many. Yeah, there's so many players who have done that. And so I just think this is not a sign of letting the team down. This is not a sign of not being in. This is a sign of strength. This is something that we as men could learn from from these incredible athletes and these incredible mothers. So uh, I'm glad the WNBA took a stand. And as we get more information, uh, Jason, I'll give you the last word. As we get more information, if there's more there, I hope they pile on. I really do. Uh, if this if, if there's more information that that we, we learn about, I hope they add to the penalty. Last word, Jason. This has to do also with, with male-dominated toxic cultures invading a women's league because you hear Dierica say she rushed back. She, she wanted to make sure she, she feels like she's got to meet some standards that's unrealistic and, and unbelievable and inherently sexist. And how many times do we celebrate basketball players, football players, baseball players for hitting a home run on the day that their wife had a baby? Right? It's that culture that says, oh my gosh, look at this great guy hit a home run with his wife is there delivering a child on her own. It's that culture that has infected the WNBA. You can't be separate from the culture that you were created in. And that's where you have this kind of harassment coming to a player in a league that should be at the forefront of these kinds of issues instead of following our larger sort of problematic and incredibly sexist misogynistic culture. All right. That, that was well said. You got, when you, sometimes people get the final word. They kind of fumble it. Man, you crushed it. You know, uh, that's a lot of pressure. I say final word. You just put it together eloquently and then you and then you go ahead, drop the mic and do whatever you're doing uh, before you came on brother from another. We appreciate you. Dr. Jason Johnson. We'll catch up with you next time. Thanks guys. Appreciate you back. soon. Go Lakers. <laughs> if, if Draymond's not back, we're not a championship contender. We know that. I mean, he's that important to, uh, to winning and to uh, to who we are, um, so I absolutely want him back. He knows that he he had a great season this year, 
from a basketball perspective, but he knows that he also uh, compromised things by what what happened um, back in October. And so part of him coming back next year has to be about um, you know rebuilding um, some of that trust and um, and respect that that he's earned here you know for for a long period of time. You know, Benny, that's Steve Kerr talking about Draymond Green and talking about the punch. You know, sometimes when things happen, when there's a fight and somebody gets punched, even though we all know what happened, people just like still delicately talk around it. You know, that thing that happened. No, he punched his teammate. He punched yeah, his teammate yeah. in practice and they were shot. So let's just say the punch affected everything. So Steve Kerr says the punch affected their season. Draymond told our guy Stephen A. Smith that the punch affected his leadership, that he was holding himself back. He was restrained until about February before he could feel like he could be himself. And he's he's the captain of the defense, basically. He's a defensive coordinator, de facto defensive coordinator of the Golden State Warriors. <clears throat> and because he went at Jordan Poole the way that he did, he felt that he had to kind of slow play this thing. And by the time he got going, they couldn't get, they really couldn't be themselves. Now, I, I appreciate the honesty, Vinny, from Draymond and Steve Kerr. But it's also, you can also read that as an excuse. I don't think that's how, I, I don't think that's why they didn't win the championship. I don't think that's why they're not a championship team. What say you? Look, I, I know it affected them, but let's say that doesn't happen. I think they're still challenged to come out of the Western Conference as the number one team. I think both things can be true. And, and by that, I mean the mental fatigue that it takes on a, to be a defending champion, right? We have not had a repeat champion in almost five years. And that was the Kevin Durant golden state warriors. You know what I mean? So you had a supernova on top of being a really great team and that helped you repeat. And remember during that second championship run with Kevin Durant, they got pushed to a game seven on the road against Phoenix. So, I say that to say a lot goes into winning two in a row. It's added on when you have strife in the regular season, in the preseason. It's like fruit of a poisonous tree. And once that tree was poisoned to start the season, you add the injuries, you add the mistrust, you add a player who is known for getting on other guys, holding them accountable in a verbal way. If there's a lack of trust that this guy is going to a be an OG to the younger players. That's the other part of it. He Draymond was supposed to be an OG to the Jordan Pools and the Kamingas and the Moody's and that gap between young and old widened after they won the championship. I think Michael, it's 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 not one thing or another, but just just rock with me here. Yeah. You often tell young players in the NBA, you guys got to sacrifice for the greater good of the team. We know you want your numbers, but you sacrifice so we can win this championship. Okay, young player sacrificed, right? They won the championship. Okay, what's next? I want to get mine. I want to get paid. I want to make my name in the NBA. And again, they're being asked to sacrifice for the old guys so the old guys can get the glory. When we, we, we post those pictures of Golden State's championship last year, we are posting Clay and Steph 
and Draymond. Those right. young players right. are blurry in the background, if that. So why, why again, would I have to sack? I already got a ring. You don't know the value of one ring until you're in the league for 10 or 12 years and you see how hard it is. When you first get in, your number one goal is to make your own name, make your own money. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Have to create your own identity in the league. So I don't think Steve Kerr is creating an excuse, but I do think it is a hodgepodge of ingredients that the Warriors did that they either did not see coming. And then you have your foundation being ripped at its core by Draymond Green and Jordan Poole, which, and, and look, I was there for the whole Warriors-Lakers series. That Warriors team looked beat. And I don't mean beat by the Lakers. I mean, they looked emotionally strained. They, it was almost a relief kind of when they lost because it's over and you can go recharge your batteries and you don't have to concentrate for as long as you've had to concentrate as a champion like that is a strain and a wear on you and i felt like it was too much of a weight for them to bear considering all the things they've gone through now let's uh let's uh, get to a few topics here before we have to say goodbye to our audience listening on sirius xm channel 85 or watching on peacock uh, tv or download the peacock app you can be watching on your phone it's free check it out anyway um the team that the Warriors beat last year in the NBA Finals, the Boston Celtics, they take on the Miami Heat tonight. And Vinny, I, you know, talking to Tom Haberstroh yesterday, Haberstroh said two things that I'm still tripping on. One, he said Heat and six. Two, mm. he said Jimmy Butler is a better player than Jason Tatum. Uh, I think those are both ridiculous comments. But how do you see this series? You asked me, uh, is Boston nervous? Boston is not nervous, which makes me nervous. Because Boston should be nervous, you know, taking on a Miami Heat team that is gritty and that is relentless and that has given them problems in the past, has sent them home for the season. You know, it's a real rival when they're capable of ending your season. Miami has done that to Boston in the past in the bubble. Uh, How do you see this thing playing out? I'm just tripping on you thinking that Jimmy Butler being better than Jason Tatum is a ridiculous statement. Have you not seen Jimmy Butler's playoff movies? Stop with the playoffs. Stop with the playoffs. Stop, 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 stop. stop. I, 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 ah, ah, I can't say. Look, look. Here we go. Here, here we go. This is this is what would it be like? This is what it would be like for you, Vinny Goodwill, if you were Jimmy Butler. If Vinny Goodwill is Jimmy Butler, what happens is everybody raves about your best columns at Yahoo. Everybody raves about your best TV and radio appearances. But if you have an off day, nobody brings it up. Nobody brings it up. They just talk about the good stuff. Jimmy, I've seen Jimmy Butler in the playoffs. You know what he did in the NBA Finals? Game six against the Lakers when they lost? He had 12 points. When they, when they got swept by Milwaukee a couple years ago in the finals, he was four for 15 in game one. And then he had a bad game four. I Like, we act like Jimmy Dude, Butler. Hold on, hold on. Do we but hold bring on. up oh, go ahead. the shirtless go ahead, go ahead. Jimmy Butler though shirtless Jimmy Butler. Oh, okay. Okay. Undefeated Unde- un- <laughs> damn undefeated. I look like that with my shirt off too, but that's whoa. Okay, but we've gone too far. We've gone too far with Jimmy Butler. You've gone too hold far. on. No, no, but but wait, you said Jason Tatum. How often do we talk about Jason Tatum tripping all over himself in the NBA finals last year to the Golden State Warriors? We don't talk about it that much. So we don't say, we only Boston, say but we so much about Jason. 
I'm, I'm once well, you have the benefit of proximity in Boston. You know what I mean? Yeah, but yeah, yeah. J Jason Tatum is a more talented player than Jimmy Butler. But Jimmy Butler has to have it a little bit more than damn near anybody. And certainly everybody in green. Let's be perfectly clear over there. You may think the Celtics got an easy run because there's Jimmy and the Butler heirs over there. There's a bunch of Caleb Martins and Max Struces and Gabe Vincent and all that. I grant you that Boston right, right. is the more talented team. But a lot of times it comes down to who's got to have it. And you know that if Jimmy Butler don't have it on offense, he's going to give it to you on defense. And if Jimmy Butler right. ain't necessarily the greatest shooter in the world, he's going to manufacture a game by going to the line and working, Sounds like working picking, you to death. Hold on. Sounds like you're picking the Heat. What, Heat and six? Don't heat put, and seven? What you got? Don't put, don't, put, don't put words in my mouth. Who you picking? Oh, I'm not betting against Jimmy Butler, though. Okay. All right. I, well, you're if I lose, right, I I'm you. going out with the ship. I plan on being in Miami the first week of June. Okay. Okay. See. That's oh, see. Okay. That, that's that's all you, you care about. Miami. You be, you betting on the city. You you just playing the city. You rather be in you rather be in Miami uh, uh, Miami in June than Boston in June. I you know what? I got I, you. you know you know what it is. I'd rather not see Dave Portnoy on the jumbotron at a Celtics game. That's what. Don't I'd look at the jumbotron. Don't look at the jumbotron. Don't look at it. Don't look at it. And let me ask you this real quick. Uh, I feel like I feel like Detroit got screwed yesterday. Victor Wembenyama should be a piston. He's a spur. Did Detroit get screwed or Detroit get screwed or in Houston Houston number four Detroit number five. What are you kidding? What do you think it is? San Antonio usually gets generational big man. Detroit usually does not get generational big man. That's not a surprise. I wish I could show you a text, some text messages yesterday, hours before, and people were like, who's winning the lottery tonight? Said the Spurs. Now, I thought the Pistons maybe would have wound up second or third. I didn't think they were going to slide way down to five, but they won Fifth. the lottery two years ago. So you can't say they've never had luck or they've always I don't want it two screwed. years ago. I, I get it. I get it. And, and my city I want is now. not a happy. My city is not a happy city right now, but that's why I got that statement in there. Build your team. You ain't got time to be worried about no damn lottery ball. Build your team. Well, he's going to the Spurs. Spurs get another generational talent. All right, Vinny. Appreciate you, man. Yes, you sir. Soon.